Welcome to the Manage My Wedding podcast, where we believe your wedding is the most important time in your life and you deserve to feel supported and organised when planning the wedding of your dreams. I'm your host, Yvette Sitters. Hello and welcome back to episode 46 of the Manage My Wedding podcast. I'm Yvette Sitters and I am so looking forward to this podcast episode and sharing this with you because last week on episode 45, The Matrimonial Mindset it was called, I delved in that podcast into your mindset at the moment and how to cope and handle the fact that maybe you can't have your dream wedding at the moment. And I received some really beautiful feedback about that and how much that helped so many people because everyone has just been so caught up lately, you know, in being upset about their their plans not going ahead or their plans changing. And I really wanted to help people push through past that thought so that they could still have the wedding of their dreams and still love the day, even though it's changed. And I feel like that podcast really leads really well into this episode because the guest I have on today, Sharon, who I will read through her bio in a moment, introduce her. We talk about how relationships are struggling maybe at the moment and all the challenges that we have when planning a wedding and and with our relationships in general. And this year has been really significantly challenging for some. So I'm, I'm just so grateful to have this episode to try and help you. So let's get into reading out Sharon's bio and chatting to her. When love goes off the rails for whatever reason, miscommunications, past pain and trauma, infidelity or changing directions, couples therapist Sharon Brandon taps into tested therapeutic methodologies to help couples reconcile differences and build bountiful opportunities for connections and long-lasting relationships. Sharon began her journey into the therapeutic field 20 or so years ago. Her guiding principle is she understands that the couple is the cornerstone of our society. This philosophy directed her studies through university, where she delved into the sociology of sex and gender, feminist philosophy, applied ethics, and counselling. Sharon quickly acquired the nickname Dr. Love at university because of her depth of understanding of the subject matter itself. She quickly became the go-to person for friends and colleagues on all matters relating to love. Understanding how men and women interact driven by societal expectations and culturally driven gender roles, Sharon quickly gets to the root of most problems, the desire to connect, be heard and accepted. She helps her clients to deconstruct the polarity of gender to move towards connection, trust and commitment that can last a lifetime. Backed with a solid understanding of the science of relationships, Sharon uses her intuition, skill and observational abilities to help couples create their own unique couple bubble teaching the skills to have honest, open conversations driven by the desire for win-win outcomes. For her, there is no greater joy than seeing a couple arrive separate and leave reconnected. Sharon welcomes you to join her Facebook group for Love and Money, where she has a weekly Q&A with Dr. Love and offers a quest spot to those working in the field of wealth, finances and emotional coaching. So welcome to the podcast, Sharon. 
Oh, thank you. It's so lovely to be here. It's really funny. Whenever you hear your bio read out, you kind of think to yourself, who is that person? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you, that's a fabulous person. I absolutely love that bio. It's just, it's really, you just get I'm instantly sucked in. Like, I just want to talk to you from listening to it. And I love your name, Dr. Love. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It comes from having some really juicy conversations, I think. (laughs) I bet it does. I bet it does. Uh, It's such a, I have to say, I'm really, really excited about this podcast because I think the last six months have been so challenging for so many Mm. and relationships are certainly so important through this time more than ever, I believe. More than Uh, ever, absolutely. And that's why I really wanted to have someone exactly like you help address the concerns right now. I know how much insight you're going to provide for the listeners and and that I'm really excited (laughs) about. So thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, thank you so much, Sharon. Well, we'll get into it. As I mentioned in my introduction earlier to the listeners, there was many people that came forward with questions that they had for you because I did go out to the community. Mm. But the first one I want to talk about, and it was the one that seemed to get asked the most from everyone, and that was relationship issues around money while wedding Mm. planning (laughs) and how many arguments and stress that that causes for everyone. Right. Well, money's a funny thing. You know, it's really linked to several things that are core to a person. So, for example, it's linked to our values. It's linked to what we enjoy. It's linked to our past history with money as well, the way we are raised and our attitude and mindset around money. It's about our values and how we perceive how our partner uses their money and their values. So it's really core stuff. And it's a really intimate thing as well, because it's really about survival at the end of the day. Money, you know, if you don't have money, you don't eat. So it's a it's a core, core issue. So what I would say to couples, I think the first thing we need to address when we're talking about arguments around money is arguments around different types of values. And very often when I counsel couples who are struggling to communicate around money, what happens is when we really deconstruct what their particular values are, they're often very similar. They're just expressed in a different way. And so what I help them to do is to help them to see that actually they're actually aiming for the same thing a lot of the time. They just have a different way of expressing it. And the second thing that I really like to do with them is to talk about feelings and needs, you know. So we very rarely talk about our needs in relationships because we grow up in a culture that frowns upon us if we have a need. You know, if you have a need, you're seen as being needy Mm -hmm. or, you know, or codependent. That's my favourite phrase, honestly. It's Uh. it's nonsense, really. I just don't don't believe it really exists. Um, It's used in a context that doesn't really apply to most relationships. So what I help couples do is I deconstruct what the needs are around this kind of spending and then try to get them on the same page with each other. Now, and also having a little lenience and flexibility around what your partner really loves. So I get them to do, uh, the first thing I get them to do is an exercise where they write down their five top needs. 
And I have a needs list if anybody is interested in that list. And I also have a feelings list because we actually have hundreds of feelings, but we, we tend to stick to basic ones. So we can get more nuanced around that and we can talk about our needs and what feelings are attached to those needs. And this is why we're fighting with each other because where we're not able to hear each other, we're not able to hear the need behind where it is the money wants to go. And so we end up in this conflict of I'm right, you're wrong, your needs aren't important, mine are more important. And I think that's where where, where couples really get stuck. So I sort of, if we talk about needs, we can move to a win-win sort of situation and a win-win outcome and agreement for everybody. Oh, I hear exactly what you're saying when you talk about the need Mm. and how we're not allowed to have these feelings as well. You you often hear someone's partner always saying, oh, they're just all, they're they're acting like a child. They just all, they they always want attention. Mm. Yeah. And I think sometimes what that is, is they simply want to be heard and validated, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, is, When we look at attachment theory, which is what I work with a lot, um, now John Bowlby did research around mother and uh, child bonding and or primary caregiver bonding, and he looked at the needs children have and the different kind of responses they have when they don't get those needs met. So they develop behavioural patterns and those behavioural patterns sometimes go into adulthood and John Bowlby had an expression and he would say, you know, from the cradle to the grave. (laughs) And it's kind of true. You know, there's always that little child inside us going, please validate me. (laughs) It becomes a habit, doesn't it? It does. It does. So it's really good to sort of look at, look, you know, what the need is behind that and ask differently, ask for that need to be met in a different way that isn't making accusations about the other person or isn't pathologising the other person, like saying, oh, you're selfish or you're this or you're that, and really just owning those needs and saying, you know, when this happens, I feel like this and my need here is not being met. Would you be able to meet that need? So it's more of a request than a demand of the partner. And then they're much more able to hear what the need is and they're much more likely to want to fulfil it because there's very few couples that I've dealt with that don't actually want to meet those needs in each other and get joy out of actually meeting those needs in each other. And money is a big thing with that because quite often one partner might be like, well, you're, you're spending so much money on such and such for the wedding and I don't think that that's necessary. But obviously, mm. like what you're saying, that is a need for one of that, those people. Mm. Yeah. Well, it might be that, uh, for example, you know, the wedding dress, you're only ever going to have one in your lifetime, touch wood. So you <laughs> want it to be the best it can be and it's important to you to feel good and to look good and to for your husband to be when you're walking down the aisle to be able to go wow look at you you're amazing you know so that's that's attached to our need to feel special our need for you know to be validated to be the one that lights up our partner's eyes that you know so there's and it will be all individual as well. So, you know, for each person, it's going to be a little bit different. And so being able to express that in a way that says, I know this is a lot of money, 
that, but this is really important to me and this is only ever going to happen once for me and it's a very special day for us and I want, you know, this is part of making it special for me. And then your partner is able to hear that then. And if, and if still, if they're still kind of saying, well, it's too much money, then perhaps you could negotiate some kind of, not necessarily a compromise in that regard, but negotiate a kind of acceptance around. So that's what happens when, when I get couples in session. Um, right. We can sort of sort those things out. Because sometimes one of the partners might be just like, well, the money's just not there. Like we just don't actually have that money, mm. we, you know. We've and run then out it's of money. about, yeah, and then it's about actually dealing with disappointment. You know, how do we deal with disappointment? What are we attached to that we can't let go of? And if the, if the money's just not there and it's just not practical to do that, what could replace that? What could measures could you put in place to make sure that it's an amazing event without spending that big budget, you know? Yeah. What, are the, what are the things that are really core and important to both of you in that moment, you know? Because it's not just her day, it's his day as well. And, you know, what is, what is the meaning of this wedding? Is it to gather with friends and family to celebrate your love and your union? What exactly are the reasons you're getting married for. It's like when I ask couples, when they say, I'll say to them now, why are you with this person? And they'll say, because I love them. And I'll say, mm, and what else? Yeah, it's <laughs> because, so easy to say because, that. <laughs> <laughs> because love is this kind of umbrella term, isn't it? You know, it and there's is. all these things that sit underneath it. And unpacking that is is actually really exciting because then you're able to actually get more insight into your partner and to get to know them better. And what John Gottman calls, you know, you're creating love maps. So you're creating kind of a handbook um, to your partner so that you get to know them really, really well and you know what's important to them. Yeah. Uh, and then that becomes important to you. And that's the win-win outcome, right? When your partner's needs are as important as your own. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I often say to bridal couples, if you're both hesitating about something that you have to spend money on, it's not necessary. That's right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. Let it go. And, and Don't need it. Yeah. And to lose to lose that societal expectation or maybe a cultural expectation or a family expectation that a wedding is going to be done a particular way. It's your day and you get to write this this for you know yourselves yeah. in collaboration with each other. You know, that's what it's all about. It's all about your little couple bubble and how yeah. you want this to proceed. Yeah, definitely. That, yeah. Well, this that's that this is good because this leads on to another question actually that somebody asked, and that was mm-hmm. coronavirus has ruined my dream wedding day plans. I need to change my plans and I don't want to. And my partner can't understand why I don't want to go ahead mm-hmm. with getting married and just not having such a huge big wedding. So yeah. it, that yeah, I think you've kind of sort of answered that one as well. Again, it's a need, isn't it? It is a need and and it's really about being able to communicate that to your partner in a way that your partner can hear you. Often we go to communicate these things in a very adversarial way. We want to fight about it. But if you can show your partner your deep sadness 
around this, if you can be vulnerable around this and say, you know, these are the these are my needs here and these are the reasons I don't want to do this right now. Can we postpone this? Can we move this to another time where I can have those needs met? It's going to make me happier because, you know, there is something to that saying, happy wife, happy life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah. You know, John yeah. Gottman did a lot of research around that and he said that men that accept influence from their wives are much happier at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. so if you're starting off on your marriage journey not happy, then that's going to come back and smack you a little bit later in your relationship because this is when the resentments build up. This is when you feel that deep sadness and it kind of stays with you for a long period of time. And that can actually be what we call attachment fractures. And so it kind of moves towards separating you a little bit emotionally. You don't trust that you can share your feelings with your partner anymore. So you don't. So it's really a very good idea to be on the same page on your wedding day and start things off correctly Um, yeah you've answered quite a few of the questions then because (laughs) and it's such a big one because one of them was if my future husband and I want totally different weddings and we can't agree on anything is it worth getting married and the other one that someone asked was COVID-19 has made me not want to get married as dates keep changing And now I'm unsure if it's because of the stress of it all or if deep down I don't want to marry my partner. Mm -hmm. And you've just said that those feelings are already there. Yeah. Can stress cause those feelings or? Oh, absolutely. Well, Well, what actually causes it is not the stress itself but how the couple negotiates that stress together. Because our partners need to be our go-to person. They need to be the soft place to fall when things are stressful in the world. Your relationship needs to be your sanctuary from the outside world. It needs to be where you feel safe and loved and accepted and honoured. And so if stresses of the outside world are affecting the relationship, then you're not communicating properly in that relationship. You're not being each other's go-to person. You know, I always say to couples, it's not that you fight. Fighting is actually an important thing to do. It's how you do that. It's how you fight. It's the language you use. It's the demands. It's the accusations and the criticisms and the judgments and the you're wrong and I'm right philosophy. Because let me tell you, that will end disastrously really quickly. So being able to negotiate painful situations together and being able to nurture each other through that stress is one of the core components of a healthy, loving, connected relationship. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a never-ending work in progress, isn't it? Because I know myself, I have, my husband and I have an amazing relationship and I think I've told you this Mm. before and I'm very, very (laughs) blessed that I have that and how much we love each other but I still know that I have to sometimes bite my tongue because there's there's no need to say it the way you're going to say it and to have that brush and that brash thought and take and direct that at them so even though we have a beautiful relationship it's constant hard like it is Mm. hard work still you have to always oh look it is the 
it is the hardest thing you will ever do because intimate partner relationships, every little bit of baggage you have, every little sore bit, they will poke it, right? It's just the way that human beings work. So it's how you navigate that. And even if you do make a mistake and you will, uh, there is no doubt about it. There is no such thing as a perfect relationship. It's how you repair that hurt. And the reason that one of the main reasons that couples come to see me years down the track for an incident that happened 15 years ago is there hasn't been any real kind of reconciliation or apology. There hasn't been any real acknowledgement of the hurt and and couples need to be able to sit with each other. And this, this is difficult to do. It's really difficult to do because we're not taught this growing up. We're taught to respond by defending ourselves. Um, we're not taught to respond with empathy and compassion for what it is our partner is feeling. And that doesn't mean we have to agree with them. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means we need to validate their perspective. You know, I know couples who have amazing relationships who are from completely different cultures, who speak different languages, but what they do really well is respect the other person, respect the differences, and make agreements around those differences. That's what they do well, and they repair the hurt. They repair the hurt. It's primary to any good relationship. It's being able to reconnect with each other and say, I'm so sorry that I behaved that way. I was feeling very disconnected in the moment and and angry and frustrated. And I would really like to try to have that conversation again. And there's one little expression that I'd recommend that couples use when they have a disagreement and they come back together and they want to reconcile the problem is I always say to my partner, and he says it to me as well, we didn't do that very well, did we? (laughs) (laughs) And that that kind of just alleviates blame, doesn't it? It's not one person's fault or the other person's fault. It's we did this together. This is a dynamic. How are we going to take responsibility for fixing it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. I love that. That is brilliant. I'm going to remember yes. that one myself. <laughs> my husband's the quieter, shy, more shyer type, and I'm just like fiery, blah, blah, blah person. So <laughs> I definitely need to use that one. Yes, it's a clever, it's a clever one that one, and it's sort of it's very disarming, isn't it? Yes. You know, it's it's kind of it's like we're in this together, where you know we're in the foxhole together. The rest of the world is outside, you know. We're fighting this fight, but it's for us, you yes. know. Yeah. It's for the benefit of us, and so that's I think that's an incredibly powerful. Yeah. Thing. So for the the person that was saying, you know that they want totally different weddings and they can't agree on anything, Mm. what would you suggest they are? How would they best to open up the conversation? I would say get really clear about what your values are and why you would be getting married in the first place and find common ground. It's pretty rare that you can't find common ground. It's often we are saying the same thing to each other, just using different words so it sounds different, you know. So I would suggest, and look, if your vision of your wedding is not 
the same and you just can't get on the same page about it, then the next conversation I would suggest you're having is what is the vision for your relationship? Do you have shared vision around your relationship? Because it just, that might just be sort of a surface thing and you might need to dig a little bit deeper about, you know, do you both want to have children? Uh, Are you on the same wavelength when it comes to saving and spending money? Are you, you know, are you you working towards goals together? You know, because this is a, you know, this is a team, you know, when you get married, you're a team and you're in life together as a team. So, yeah, that's the conversation that I'd be having is really why are we doing this? What would be the value in doing this? Is it worth doing it? Uh, do we just stay unmarried and work on the relationship itself? Because I think sometimes when there's, there's things that aren't quite right in the relationship and you're not quite on the same page about things, it manifests itself in the wedding, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. So, so the cracks start to show when you're sort of planning some this big event that is to celebrate your relationship. What exactly is it you're celebrating, you know? That's sort of the question that I'd be asking. And sometimes that's a really hard conversation to have without having someone to support you to navigate it yes. because, you know, if you've got somebody who can help you ask the right questions, that's really important too. So yeah. I would consider seeing somebody who specialises in that area. And yeah. So okay. do you think, Sharon, this is like, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I, I often think to myself when I hear someone say, I just have cold feet, I'll be fine. That for me is a big red flag because when you're yeah. really caught up in the moment of, of getting mm. married and you're so excited and you're so in love, usually you don't get cold feet. Am I right or am I a bit too? Well, well, there could be several factors involved there. So I, I think sometimes commitment and intimacy is a fear state for some people. Um, it will depend on, for example, the kind of relationship that their parents had. So if you, I'll, I'll give you an example. If you grow up in a relation, in a family unit where your parents' relationship was one where they're constantly bickering and fighting with each other, And this is your example of what it means to be married and intimate with somebody. You're going to be a little bit fearful about doing that. Yes. Right? You're going to have this kind of attachment style that goes, oh, no, freedom at all costs because, you know, that other thing is, (laughs) and I'm going there. You know, so so if you're a person, we call it an avoidant attachment style. If intimacy is something that is really difficult for you, being close to people or, you know, people who've been traumatised too in their relationships or there's some kind of intimate trauma in that person's history, being close to somebody in an intimate relationship and marrying somebody and being tied to that person can be really anxiety-provoking. And so I guess that's, you know, where we have to really explore for ourselves what is actually going on here. Is this just I'm nervous about the day? Am I nervous about being attached to this person for the rest of my life? Do I see weddings as finite? I can't get out of it if something goes wrong. You know, so there might be some kind of thinking in there or feeling in there that is causing that cold feet. It could also too that be that you just don't want to do it. 
you know, yeah. this is not the right person for you, but you've kind of gone along on this trajectory and you feel like it's too late to back out because things are already in place and, you know, and the reality is if that's the case and you don't really want to be there, then sooner or later you're going to part anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Spend so all that this money. Is, <laughs> that's right. Save it, put it in the bank. Oh, and that's what I say to my bridal couples. Always do exactly what you want because when you're not doing what you want for your wedding day, mm. both of mm-hmm. what both of you want, then it can sometimes make it foggy and think you don't want to marry that person. That's right. And interference from external factors as well, like parents or in-laws or brothers or sisters want something particular or friends, you know, and all that pressure from external factors can be really difficult. Yes. Yeah. I know that (laughs) this was a question actually that was Mm. asked and and I think you can answer this one now because we're sort of delving into it. My future husband's parents are controlling the wedding and it is completely ruining our wedding plans and causing tension between us. It is making me not want to get married. Yeah. How sad. This one for me, yeah, this one for me is the really big red flag, right? Because, you know, we call in, so when I talk about relationships, I talk about a couple bubble, right? And that's uh, that's an expression I got off one of my mentors, Stan Chatkins, who's just the most amazing marriage therapist and relationship therapist. And he talks about the couple bubble and really when we talk about external people, we, we talk about them in terms of thirds. They're a third person in the dyad. And the dyad, the two people, are the most important here. And they need to be able to navigate external people together, right? There needs to be you're bonded to your partner and everybody else is outside that. Everybody else comes secondary outside that. So the questions I would put to the person who's asked that question is, are they, do they have a financial investment in the wedding so that they're having a little bit of control there? So do you need to have a conversation with them about, well, I'm happy for you to contribute, but if your contribution means that you get much more say than is appropriate, then I don't want your contribution you know, or you can negotiate with them around what it is that they feel around that situation. Have a talk to them about that and just say, look, I feel like you're overstepping the mark, da da da, da. But it, that has to be done as a couple. That cannot be done as one individual in the, the coupledom says yes. to the in-laws, I don't like this, you need to back off. You have to show up as a team, as a front you know, to tell everybody in your life, hey, this now is the most important person in my life and we do this together. We are the team and everybody else falls into place around us and this is how it works from now on. And the reason that's so important is that this is the person you have to spend the rest of your life with, right? This is the person who's going to have your back when nobody else does. This is the person you live with, you love with you. And that secure bonding is really, really vital for your emotional health, your physical health, and your financial health. And there's so many research studies that back that up. 
So, you know, there could be other factors there as well. Is this a cultural thing? Because in many cultures, the parents still have a lot of say. So are you battling that? Are you trying to navigate that situation? So, you know, there could be many, many factors here. And But yeah. that question in particular, I would actually go and see somebody about that. I'd see a couples counsellor about that. I'd see a therapist about that. And I would you know, really get on the same page with each other because that is not a good way to start the rest of your life um, with each other. And if your partner can't stand up to their parents now, then that's going to be how it is, you know, for the pretty much the rest of your relationship. Oh. And and if you're going to have children with this person, that's, <laughs> what, I was, highly suggest, <laughs> yes. that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> that's where one's mind goes, isn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so if you're going to have children with this person, then really, really, you need to see somebody and really get to the core of why that person finds it difficult to say no to their to their parents, how that how your partner can deal with their parents' controlling behaviour, you know, what is it about the parents' needs that are not being met? So maybe, you know, being able to uh, have a discussion with the parents, what's going on here? What is that? Are you trying to live through us? Like what is happening? Yeah. Um, and yeah. find out why they feel the need to control this situation so much. And I actually did a podcast a couple of months ago and it's all about tasks that you can actually give to your parents and to in-laws. Yes. To make them feel included but won't affect you and what they Mm -hmm. do because sometimes they really just want, they think they they should be helping (laughs) Exactly, you know, like, and that's what I mean by the need, you know, like, do they, do they want to be important and included in your day as well, you know, because pretty much that might be the, you know, the case, very often that is the case, and they're just expressing that through the need to control, which is often a need to control is simply a need not being met. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And when anybody acts out like that, you know, I always say to people, go to the need, find out what what is it? Do you feel like you're not included? Do you feel like you're not important? Do you feel like if you don't control this that we don't, you know, we won't need your assistance or your help? Do you feel like because we're getting married now that we won't need you in the future, you know, so you're just, you know, so there could be all sorts of things going on with your parents in that situation. And let's face it, we don't want to have fights about this kind of thing because we don't want to disconnect from our family unit. Uh, Extended family is a part of that marriage. You know, it's part, they're part of the celebration. For me anyway, particularly, a wedding is something where couples celebrate that union and family get to celebrate that union with that couple. Friends get to celebrate their love, you know, and I think that's in a culture where we're so individual, I think keeping these kinds of rituals is really important. And as you go through life, you can't do it on your own, you know, especially nowadays. Often young people if they want to buy a house and moving back in with their parents for a while after they get married. So it's just the kind of culture we live in. So maintaining that connection with, with parents is really important. 
also too, though, of putting those boundaries in place right in the beginning yes. and asserting those boundaries as a couple is also very important. It's a tricky navigation. Oh, it is. It's another relationship to your own relationship, isn't it? It is. It is. It definitely is. Oh, yeah. oh that's great advice, though. Thank you, Sharon. Can I ask you, we've answered the questions that people have asked, and this mm-hmm. one I didn't tell you, but can you give us, for all these people that are, are wedding planning at the moment um, through this crazy time, what would be your top tip for them? If they were to take something away, what would you want to say to them? Work together as a team. Get on the same page as a team. Get to understand each other's needs, wants and desires. Be honest and be honest in a way that your partner can hear you. So speak from your needs, speak from your feelings and be flexible, right? Sometimes we get this really strong idea in our head about how it should exactly be in life. Mm-hmm. And life just is not that way, right? It's oh, going to yes. throw you some serious curveballs and it's hard. And when it's hard, you need to be able to turn towards each other and be each other's soft place to fall. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's so important that, you know, we're always in this day and age. I'll be happy when. I'll be happy yes. when. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No. It's happy now. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you have this beautiful person that you're in love with. Like, what else is there? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what else is there? <laughs> oh, I've always said, you know, if, Somebody told me that to have my husband for the rest of my life, I had to live in a sewer. I'd live in a sewer, like honestly. Yeah. And and knowing that makes you really content with what you have. Um, it's a really nice feeling. It's a really nice feeling. So you're listening to you today. I'm already thinking. Oh, I might just go away and tweak some things that I, you know, do and say. <laughs> <laughs> You've really got me thinking. Good eye. And that's wonderful. I I like that. And these conversations are always about that. And I don't ever feel there's a right and a wrong. I just think there's a really good way to do things, you know, and there's a good way to do things where people can have a win-win outcome. But the way that couples configurate their own relationships, that's their call, right? That's their thing. That is their couple bubble. And learning the skills to do that and do it well and so that you have a win-win outcome and you're both really happy and you maintain your connection throughout your life, that's what matters. That's what matters at the end of the day. Totally. I agree. Beautifully said. Thank you so much, Sharon. I'm so grateful for this advice. I think it's good advice for the the now with what is happening in the world, but I think good advice all year round, even when there is no pandemic. It's just (laughs) important information. And and I, I just want to say the listeners, always come back to this even after you get married and listen to this podcast again because mm. it'll just remind you of, of how it needs to be and what's important. Can you tell the listeners, Sharon, where they can find you? Because they need to find you. Sure. They need a Sharon sure. in their life. <laughs> well, my website, my website is www.relationshipintensives.com or you can find me on Facebook. My personal page is Sharon Brandon Rigby. That's Sharon with a double R. Um, so it's S H A R R O N. And you can also, you're all so very welcome to join my group, which is called For Love and Money, where we often discuss 
money issues and we talk to different money experts and talk about how you can plan your financial future together. And in that group, I also have a Q&A with Dr. Love. Uh, so if you have any questions that you would like to ask about relationships, you can write into me on, you know, through my website or through the Facebook page and I'll do my very best to answer those questions for you on Q&A with Dr Love on Mondays. That's um, a video that I put out on Mondays. And also for the listeners today, if they would like, I've got a five days to a better relationship. So if you would like to give your email address, I can send you five exercises that you can do with your partner that are based in neuroscience that help intimacy and connection in your relationship. And you can just pop them on your laptop and you've got them there for the rest of your life to have a look at when things are a little bit stressed. So, yeah, so that's a, that's a wonderful thing to have. Yeah, that is amazing. I am going to give you my, uh, you have my email, but I'm going to subscribe to that because I think it's Fantastic. just important no matter how, where your relationships yeah. are, that is so important. Yeah. I will make- I'll just give you my phone number as well. It's 0400-599-586. And if you're having difficulties in your relationship and you want to have a quick chat, I'm happy to give you a 20-minute phone call and we can discuss what's happening for you in your relationship. Sometimes I can fix it right there and then. And other times, you know, you might have to book in for a session. But um, you can that- certainly catch me there. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for all of that, Sharon. I'm going to make sure I drop all these links and everything into the show notes as well to make it easier for everyone. Fantastic. (laughs) I'm so grateful. I know how much some people will be walking away really thinking about what you've said. So thank you for all that golden information. Oh, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm happy to chat to anybody. I'll talk about relationships forever and ever. <laughs> I can talk underwater about relationships. <laughs> I so it's been actually. delightful chatting with you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sharon. Thank you, everybody. Oh, wasn't that just absolutely fantastic? Thank you so much for listening through to the end. It, it really does show you that, you know, no matter how love in love we are, and happy or unhappy, you know, relationships we always have to be working on and especially at the moment. And I just think that that podcast and that information that Sharon shared is just so important because you don't often hear it um, and we don't often know how to kind of get that advice. So oh, if I really want to say if you feel like you're struggling in your relationship, then reach out to Sharon Um, or have your partner listen to the podcast as well, because it could really, really help them. And if you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a review so that other bridal couples can also help find the Manage My Wedding podcast and and use our advice that um, we give as well. And until next time, enjoy being engaged and staying stress-free while planning the wedding of your dreams. 